You are listening to WTUZ Radio Podcast. This is Rhonda with WTUZ Radio Podcast. I am back today because I uh, received something from Sis Rachelle, some content, and shout out to you, Sis. Uh, you're right on the money, a great find. Uh, she sent it to me and I was like, child, no, they didn't. <laughs> she responded back. Yes, they did girl. <laughs> so shout out sis. What, uh, sis sent me and we're going to go over it. And hence the inspiration for this pod podcast is uh, actually from Time uh, magazine. And it is talking about the Dark Ages really is the period of when there were Black Europeans living in Europe. Now, those of you that have been rocking with this platform, you know this is something that we have been saying all along. Um, so hence the title of this particular podcast is the dark ages are the black nobility ages. So I uh, like, we always like to start out. I want to give you their uh, official historical narrative of what the dark ages mean. Now, before I get into this, Shout out to uh, some that identify themselves as Moors, and they take on that title for different reasons other than ideology in a negative way and selling packages. Um, they are truly about the research in history. Uh, those are the particular moors I will always respect because I literally first heard this concept about the Dark Ages really being the period when Blacks ruled Europe. I have always heard the concept of Blacks ruling Europe from Moors, okay? So now that's not saying that I agree with a lot of the ideology on a lot of the Moors, but there are some Moors that don't associate themselves with that um, selling of the packages and the negative connotation with the shenanigans that go on behind the scenes. They are truly about researching the true history. And uh, for that, I want to give them their respect because I have ran across a few, and they have been accurate. And I know for a fact, in my experience, that's where I first started hearing this information about um, Black slash melanated people being in Europe. And uh, one particular sister, I, I can't think of her name, she identified as more. I haven't seen her content around for quite some time. Um, 
I heard, and I don't know if it's for sure, that she was being threatened behind the scenes for putting out certain information. I don't know if that's the case. Can't remember her name. Uh, but she was actually the one that literally said what happened over here in the Americas, although I know this is a separate conversation. She was the one that publicly put it out there that what happened over the, in the Americas was it was the Moors slash Europeans fighting with the black Indians. And they were fighting amongst each other and they fought so hard that a lot of stuff was destroyed. And uh, she literally said, and I'm mixing up her quotation a little bit, that uh, the white population was literally able just to step in and sit in the seat of power. She was the first one that hit hard out the gate with that piece of information. And I heard uh, behind the scenes, she was highly criticized for it. And she kind of went underground from that point on. And then fast forward, <clears throat> it's about maybe six or seven years ago, I heard her put that information out. Um, it's pretty much, not pretty much true. It is true. Okay. Um, yesterday I put something out regarding the origins of the Buffalo soldiers. And that's just one example of what went on, on these American shores regarding, um, take the taking of land. Okay. You had melanated, it was a melanated war against the melanated war. And you even had people siding up with the quote, quote enemy. And it's just a total, total mess, which I still feel that we are shifting through that to this day. Okay. So I am continuing to put out this information, number one, because it needs to be put out there as much as possible so folks can really start to wake up, so folks can really start to take their genealogy seriously and understand where their family fit in the whole dynamics, and to know who you are, okay? And it doesn't matter to me whether or not your folks were European. It doesn't matter to me whether or not your folks were Indian. It doesn't matter to me whether or not your folks were African. Uh, does it matter to me if your folks identify as African Moors or European Moors? That is your lineage. That is your bloodline, but it's important for all of us to know, okay? Because if you don't know what happened, you keep making the same mistakes. No one should be able to come and tell you what your family lineage is, what your family history is. 
you should know what your family lineage is and how your family possibly could have fit in the historical picture. Because the, sometimes the records would, would tell you where your family fit in the picture. Okay. And the other part is, quite frankly, to keep hitting melanated people with this information so we can come out of the spell that everyone is the same. Because you have brown skin, because you have a hue, because you have melanated skin, that we are all the same. Meaning we all have the same goals. We all have the same values when that's not the case. I'm putting this out here continuously for melanated people to wake up out of the spell and to see things for what they truly were. And then it should start to click why things are the way they are and you can make the necessary changes for you and your bloodline. So for a lot of people that's hearing this information for the first time, it's rough. It's rough. I, I see some people in the comments section struggle. Um, it's getting a lot better. I'm proud of you all. Uh, I, I guess the ones that were just full of rage, they're like, I just give up on this broad. <laughs> and that's okay too. Um, but I still see some struggling, okay? And that's how deep the programming and the spells are on, oh no, it, it, it couldn't possibly be this way. It couldn't have possibly been black on black. That, 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 that's, just, that, that's just not possible. It's got to be another entity, another race that came in and started all of this, these problems. We didn't have these problems before when we ruled kingdoms, etc. la, 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 la. When that's not the truth, okay? It's not what the evidence says. The original strife was black on black, or melanated on black, or black and brown and melanated. That was the original strife. And hence, still deep down what the strife is today. The difference is today, because of all the, of the mixing and the mingling and the rewriting of history, as a collective melanated people, we don't know who is whom. So we are most are under the guise that we all want the same thing. Although the actions show you differently, although the actions show you differently that we all don't want the same thing as a collective folks can't get past it. So that's why I keep putting this information out because 
the energy, the way the energy is moving, it's moving very fast because the vibration is fast. So hence, I have to keep putting this out the way I'm putting it out and putting it out often so folks can catch up to break the spells and to clean up your bloodline. Because if you're interested in this information, no matter how much you may disagree on things or how you may feel someone is delivering something, something is sparked in you to break a spell in your family lineage. Because at the end of the day, this should be about you, your family lineage and what legacy you are leaving. Not about what any content creator is putting out. Not about what any guru, master teacher is saying. At the end of the day, that's what the goal should be. Okay? So, all right. So after putting out that dissertation... And disclaimer, let's get to it. So um, I do want to go over to what their official history is putting out regarding the Dark Ages. Okay. So instead of uh, Wikipedia, I'm going to use the World Encyclopedia. Okay, so the Dark Ages... Uh, I don't know if I'm going to use... I'm not going to read all of this, child. We're just going to get a, a, a little uh, highlight, and then we're going to keep it moving. In um, histography, the phrase, the Dark Ages, or Dark Age, is most commonly known in relations to the European early Middle Ages from about 476 CE to about a thousand CE. This concept of dark ages was first created by the Italian humanists and was originally and was uh, originally intended as a sweeping criticism of the character of vulgar Latin literature. Mm, that's interesting. Later historians expanded the term to include not only the lack of Latin literature but a lack of contemporary written history and material cultural achievements in general. Now, isn't that interesting that they're going to sit up here and claim that in the Dark Ages, there wasn't any written history or material cultural achievements? Hmm. Okay, now. Popular culture has further expanded on the term as a vehicle to depict the Middle Ages as a time of backwardness, extending its derogatory use and expanding its scope. The rise of archaeology and other specialties in the 20th century has shed much light on the period and offered a more nuanced understanding of its positive developments. Other terms of periodization have come to the fore. Late antiquity, the early Middle Ages, and the Great Migrations, depending on what uh, or which aspect of culture are being emphasized. 
Most modern historians dismiss the notion that the era was a dark age by pointing out that this idea was based on ignorance of the period combined with popular stereotypes. Many previous authors would simply assume that the era was a dismal time of violence and stagnation and use this assumption to prove itself. Uh, let's see, we're going to say in Britain and the United States, the phrase dark ages has occasionally been used by professionals with severe qualifications as a time of periodization. This use is intended as a non-judgmental and simply means the relative lack of written records. I want y'all to pay close attention. This usage is intended as non-judgmental and simply means that the relative lack of written record, silent as much as dark. And they put silent in quotation marks and they put dark in quotation marks. On the other hand, this period in Europe did see a retreat from the classical worldview as political units became smaller and smaller and more competitive. Learning was not highly valued by aristocrats who saw scholarship as the preserve of the clerical profession. Some classical Greek scholarship was lost to Europe at this time. Mm. <laughs> Knights learned to fight, not to read. Towards the end of this period, some classical Greek sources were rediscovered as part of the legacy that the Arab, the Arab or Arabian had preserved. This encouraged Europeans to again see themselves with the content of a larger humanity with shared aspiration, hopes, and fears. The idea of a common world order known earlier in European space when it had been more or less under Rome rule, was consequently reborn. Okay, um, I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to go into this much more. I think you get the gist of where they're going with this. Um, let me just try to pick out what he's saying. If it's anything else I want to go over on here. Um, okay, he's saying this one cat wrote the history, had two periods, the classical, the classic period and the Romans and Greeks, followed by a time of darkness in which he saw himself as a living humanist, believe one day the Rome the Roman Empire would rise again and restore classic cultural purity. The concept of the Europe, European Dark Ages thus began as an ideological campaign by humanists to promote classical culture and was therefore not a neutral historical analysis. It was invented to, uh, it was invented to express disapproval of one period in time and promote and the promotion of another. Okay. So now let's get to the nitty gritty. So again, uh, this particular source, I went with the new world encyclopedia. This is called dark ages. All right. 
So that's the official narrative. Wait a minute, y'all. Let me wet my whistle. <laughs> now, I just did a quick little Google search and ran across this uh, historian. And it's uh, really a uh, blog. Okay, remember back in the day before social media was really hot, folks used to have blogs and people would put a topic out there <laughs> and you go on the, on the blog and argue <laughs> or either bring the receipts and prove the point. Well, this forum and this blog called Historium, the title was Europe was ruled by black people until 1789. So this was put in by a uh, user in 2011. And so he's saying this is from an article by a man named Edmund Cotfried titled Blue Blood is Black Blood, 1500 through 1789. Okay, and I guess I could to pull the original article. Um, uh, I'll, I'll give him a try and then maybe I'll, um, matter of fact, just, just for grins, I'm gonna pull the original article. So let me pause and pull the original article if I can find it, so hold on. Okay, so of course I couldn't find it. Uh, I tried, um, I can't find the original article. Uh, so we'll just read from this one. However, I did discover that more than likely this gentleman put out a lot of the pictures that uh, of these black nobility Europeans. Uh, I saw it on one of the um, university academia sites. Um, with his name listed as putting out those pictures. And I've showed those pictures several times. And so has other authors. Um, and I know those authors pull them from other older bodies of work and hidden bodies of work. And I'm actually going to, as a bonus material in this particular podcast, I'm going to show those same pictures again, collections of pictures of the black nobility. So with that said, this is from the blog site back in the day called Historium. And um, this is an excerpt from an article from Edmund Cotfried. Blue blood is black blood, 1500 through 1789. During the, sorry, I was hoping I didn't lose my footnote in my book. During the Middle Ages, black peoples in Europe were called blue men. There seem to be images of this period which show blue people. I know of a Renaissance crucifixion scene with a light blue Jesus. In the Renaissance, we start seeing many, many images of blacks called the Moors, which would make sense that uh, those that really kicked that true history and identify themselves as more Moors knew this information, okay? Like I said, that's the first time I heard this information. It was from Moors. 
Mike Nassau writes about Nubians and Iranians, which were brought to Europe in 50 BC by Caesar to fight the Germanic nations. They stayed on and had their own communities along the Rhine and the Dunabay. I may be mispronouncing that. I apologize in advance. <laughs> Nassau states that in the 17th century, Europeans arrived in America, recalled the Black Dutch. Okay, so let's just highlight that again for those that are struggling with Black Europeans. Okay, because the Dutch came over doing business, right? on the west coast right NASA, uh, NASA states that in the 17th century Europeans arrived in America who were called black Dutch they were not treated like Africans who were held in slavery many whites were also kept as slaves or slave like conditions uh huh so I know for some this information is rough but yes, white people were slaves. Matter of fact, it was more white slaves during this time period than, quote, quote, black African slaves. Now, some even say that the white slaves originally came from Africa with the Moors. Okay, so they came from Africa with the Moors over to Europe and then over to the Americas. Okay, because we do see pictures of Moors. Of course, they're paintings of Moors with white harems. We see it. Later on, black and colored families claimed the descendants from the black Dutch to prevent re-enslavement or being treated as the N-word. Mm. So now this is according to Codfried. Later on, black and colored family claimed descendants from these black Dutch to prevent re-enslavement or being treated as the n-word that point is somehow black and colored people were present in europe and managed to keep their black looks through intermarriage until at least the 17th century i suggest we look at the more in europe european art and take it from there see i told y'all <laughs> In European art, the Moors is always a classic, classical African, pitch black, frizzy hair, a flat and white face, flat nose, thick lips, and subnasal progeny. When you study the symbol of the Moors from the Renaissance 1500s, you will find that it did not start out like a black servant or a black page. The Drake Jewel 1575 shows a, the profile of a black king dominating the profile of a white woman. I know y'all done seen that Moore look like he was standing on the um 
inside a doorstep and you had the uh the white woman sitting on the stair um inside the doorstep and if i remember correctly she was topless and it truly seemed like to me that he was the dominant force over her or one of the harems okay this symbolizes africa domin africa dominating europe and black superiority in europe okay the symbol of Moors show a blue man, which is a black man, and means blue blood. Okay? Now, again, I heard this term of what blue blood really meant from a Moor, and they told me that really meant black blood. So this concept now of running around of blue blood, meaning white Caucasians, European, that's not how it originally started. Okay? We see many portraits of nobility in which they pose very intimate with a little black boy or girl, which gives the sitter riches, mostly pearls, which seems to symbolize Europe. The nobility was colored and some showed more African or Asian or white treats. These portraits are kept hidden or destroyed around the French Revolution, 1789. Okay. Okay, so that's interesting. So around 1789 is when they start getting rid of them. Okay. Inside the Drake Jewel is a miniature of Queen Elizabeth I. Her father's sister, Mary Tudor, was the grandmother of Mary of Scots. Mary of Scots' son was James I, who married Anne of Denmark. They were the grandparents of Charles II Stuart, who was named the Black Boy. Mm hmm. Yep. So, if he was the Black Boy. That had to mean all of his peeps were black also. Okay? So, yeah, Charles II, who's a steward, was literally nicknamed the black boy. He was described on a wanted post poster issued by Parliament as a tall black man, and I do not think they were fooling around. Anne of Denmark had ordered a play, The Massacre, or I'm sorry, The Mask of Blackness, 1605, in praise of black beauty, which did not phase, fade, rather. The play was performed by members of the court, and it explained how blacks, the sun people, came to Europe to look for a milder sun. In the play was a pers uh, per persona of the Niger River. The costume design shows a tall black woman. Strange as this might sound, it took me after all three years to believe my own findings. 
Anne of Denmark, which we know as a blindly blonde woman, was almost certainly black. As the whole Stuart dynasty was black of skin. When one looks for the portraits of Charles II Stuart, the black boy, one finds many would show a white man with the long black hair and a mustache. But if one persists, there are portraits which show black skin. Especially the National Portrait Gallery site shows many portraits of a black-skinned boy and later a black adult. Okay. Still, there are a lot of variations, but I have one pitch-black portrait which shows his classical African treats under a huge Afro wig. So there were black kings in Europe who somehow traced their origins in Africa and symbolized their blue blood with the image of a moor. The portraits would show blacks as white, I would explain, as propaganda to make them look as white people they so oppressed. Other white portraits all I'm sorry, other white portraits are overpainted authentic black portraits. Yes, we have busted them on that. Or whitened copies of these or outright fakes. Yes, we've busted them in painting over the original melanated portraits because they got sloppy, uh, got harder when they got down to the fingers. You could see like in between the fingers, they couldn't get all of that um, brown and slash black out of there. And you can see it also around the hairline, which makes sense when you look at some of those older European pictures and they're saying that these um, nobility are white. And you like, they sure do got some thick lips. That nose surely is broad and that hair is kind of wiry. <laughs> That's your clue to check around the, the fingers. And uh, sometimes you'll catch where they um, just painted over it. Okay. And just like this uh, gentleman said, just sometimes they just repainted the portrait altogether, all right? All European museums show portraits of the European elite with fake white skin color. We know that all European royal families were blood relatives. So I'll just read that again. We know that all European royal family were blood relatives, okay? Like I keep telling you all, this is about bloodline, a ruling class, and they became rulers through conquering, and it's through their bloodline. It's not about nationality. 
They don't even care about nationality. Because if you know the true history, you'll know that their subjects were white and black or Caucasian and melanated. It's about whether or not you are in their particular bloodline. And as they started marrying their Caucasian, um, I don't want to use concubine. I don't know if you want to use concubines or um, I had the word I said earlier. Women, that's how the Caucasians got in their bloodline. Okay. All right. Um, the one Netflix movie was actually a series and how come I can't remember it? And it was with the, um, nice looking Duke who was a melanated man, Simon, we was all swooning over him, (laughs) but that entire particular Netflix series and they supposed to bring it back for women, it's for the women. Yeah, y'all, they're bringing it back, but our dude Simon not gonna be in it, and we like, well, we don't, we don't care about what you, what you, what you mean, what you mean, Simon not gonna be in it. <laughs> but anyhow, that particular um, Netflix series, they showed you um, Queen Charlotte. They did depict her as melanated, although they had George as senile. A Caucasian man, and George was not Caucasian. He was melanated as well. But in that particular Netflix series, they showed uh, melanated people holding uh, those dukes and earl titles and all of that. And you had Caucasians holding the particular titles as well. Uh, with them, it was not about color. It was about marrying into the proper bloodline, okay? And as a matter of fact, your marriages needed to be approved through the crown when your family hold held those titles of nobility, okay? So this is why I can comfortably say that the, when the black-on-black crime or wars happen, it was not about skin tone. This was about one European bloodline, the ruling class bloodline, feeling that they can continue to go around the planet conquering other indigenous people's resources and land. They cared nothing about you being black slash melanated. Okay, you got conquered, colonized, and you assimilated, or you got dealt with, point blank, period. Okay, same difference with the Moors. That's what the Moors did, came out of uh, North Africa, and they were going around the world to the the different empires, Conquering. Okay, I know y'all heard the term about the Moors being in Spain for 700 years until they were finally overthrown. 
Now, even those Spaniards, those original Spaniards were melanated. Okay, when the Moors came over to, quote, quote, Europe, those indigenous people in Europe were melanated. Okay. All right. Now, where the story gets a little murky is if Caucasians were on those lands as well in Europe, indigenous, it doesn't appear that they were. It appears that the Caucasians literally originated in Africa with the Moors. Okay. So in other words, everything was pretty much told in reverse. Okay. So when the Moors came out of uh, Africa and started conquering, going around the planet, they were bringing the Caucasians with them, or some people want to say out of Asia. Okay. Hence, Asian, Asia on the end of Caucasus, Caucasus Mountains, Asian, although there's also some misnomer that it was only white people in the Caucasus Mountains. That is not the case. It was also melanated people in those Caucasus Mountains, okay? So what I'm trying to get you all to take off the blinders and see it for what it really is. This is about bloodline fights. And it goes deeper than what we are being told. These bloodline fights really are much more ancient and they are very much so spiritual. Okay? All right. So, we know that all European royal families were blood relatives. So that means just because you were black and you came up out of Europe, because I do have black European relatives, that does not mean your bloodline is a part of the royal family. I know that part of my bloodline, they ain't a part of no royal family. Okay? All right. The black boy's mother, for instance, Henrietta Maria, was the daughter of Maria uh, Medici, Queen of France, and aunt of Louis the, isn't that the 14th? Yeah, the 14th, the Sun King. Are y'all peeping? Game. So the black boy's mama... You see how that lineage is going? She's a Medici, which that's the banking folks, y'all, up out of uh, Italy. Queen of France and the aunt of Louis XIV, the Sun King. So you think they calling him the Sun King because he was Caucasian? Okay. 
The sister of the black boy was Maria Henrietta Stewart, who married the Dutch stadtholder William II. Their son was King Stadtholder William III, who ruled Britain as William and Mary. And the pictures that I'm going to show you at the end as a bonus will show you most of these people as melanated. Okay? We should be at the point now where we understand and we can see uh, or we should have in our psyche that at a minimum you should know King James Stewart was melanated. And you should even immediately, at this point now, when you hear King James, you should automatically in your head have the image of how he looked. Okay? He's a steward. Okay? And in the bonus video, we're going to show his parents melanated. Okay? And not even light-skinned. <laughs> so not even light-skinned, mulatto, mixed, none of that. Just straight-up melanated. <laughs> okay also peep game remember he told you up front which all of this is accurate about how uh it started out as far as with the americas uh go about the uh about the dutch coming over to the americas right doing business you know how new york was originally named new amsterdam Okay, I think it was uh, named, renamed New York after the Duke of York, which I think was King James. Okay, so when that rulership kind of changed between the Dutch and um, Britain, New Amsterdam, which was under the Dutch, got changed to um, York, New York. All right. So those of you out in New York, if you didn't know how New York got its name, that's how New York got its name. Okay, so just as a reminder, he said the 17th century Europeans arrived in America who were called the Black Dutch. Okay, and um, he said that later on, Black and colored families, so I'm assuming... Um, some indigenous people that were already here and some very few Africans because it was, it was expensive to bring over Africans. Okay. So it was very few Africans, right? That's why we don't find those millions of slaves on those ship manifests. Okay. Um, but he was, he's also saying that other black and colored families claimed descendant from black Dutch to prevent being re-enslaved or treated as the N-word. Okay. A lot of this was going on and it kept going on throughout the years. Okay. All right. Uh, so I'm just bringing up that point 
to just remind you of this lineage that they're saying below. So the black boy, remember the black boy is King Charles II. Charles II, that's Stuart. Name the black boy. Here's his lineage. The black boy's mother, for instance, Henrietta Maria was the daughter of Maria Medici. And anytime I hear their little name, I shouldn't say little name, automatically, Italy banking. Automatically. Queen of France and the aunt of Louis XIV, the son king. So he got that connect, connect by bloodline. Do you see how this black European nobility bloodline spans across these different nations? His sister was Maria, um, I'm sorry, Maria Henrietta Stewart, who married the Dutch stadtholder William II. Their son was King Stadtholder William III, who ruled Britain as William and Mary. Okay. So now I'm going to get you in, and uh, again, this source of this was from a blog from back in the day, y'all, um, historian, and this is entitled, Europe was ruled by black people until 1789. Blue blood is black blood. Um, it was an article from Edmund, I'm sorry, yeah, Edmund Codfried. okay? And that's why his name was familiar to me because when I pulled up his work, I saw where he had a lot of the pictures, pretty much all the pictures I'm going to show you as bonus material he had in his work as well. So here's the original article that was sent to me that sparked this podcast out of Time Magazine. Let me show y'all when this bad puppy came out. It came out this year. This month, the 22nd, and I'm straight up loving it. That's why we keep doing what we are doing, those of us that are doing what we are doing. Because the truth is always going to prevail. So it says, why it's time to shed some light on history's dark ages. Today, the Middle Ages are a sort of paradox the myth of the Dark Ages, which survives quite ably in popular culture, allows space for it to be whatever the popular imagination wants. When people want to kick a current problem back into the past, whether the T word ism, I don't want to get flagged by the YouTube streets, bungled in response to the C, 
pandemic. I had to think about how to say that, child. It's doggone shame I got to go through all of that. Or even the process of getting a driver's license, they call it medieval. Yet, when white supremacy wants to claim an origin story for whiteness, they too look to the Middle Ages. Season on the glorious golden artifacts, big castles and cathedrals to offer a simplification of racially pure patriarchal militarism. The period is good and bad, transparent and opaque, only hazily understood, but ultimately the opposite of what we want our modern world to be. So child, time came out swinging. Saying, when they, uh, yeah, no, you want to come up with an origin story for whiteness. I ain't mad at your time. Come on, tell it. I know y'all ain't going to tell it all like it needs to be, but y'all slowly easing it out there. That's okay, because we're going to keep putting it out there. (laughs) So, and if you can't see into the darkness, the imagination can run wild. Beginning and endings are arbitrary. They frame the story that the narrator wants to tell. If we as a culture decide that the Middle Ages existed and had a beginning and end, we don't need to start with decline or death. But because the Dark Ages has stood as a shorthand for the European Middle Ages for centuries, we need to flip the framing from the start. So the Bright Ages, in contrast, began and end bracketed by the hope of basking in light. This doesn't, of course, erase the violence of the past to to replace it with naive nostalgia. Instead, it shows us that paths taken were not foreordained. Shifting our perspective brings people traditionally marginalized in other tellings into focus. And so we look, we mark the brown skin on the faces of North Africans who always lived in Britain, as well as on French Mediterranean peasants telling dirty stories about horny priests, raunchy women, and easily fooled husbands. Child, leave it to the French. They always... (laughs) The French always got a dirty story to tell. Child, French just always, they just always get down like that. They a mess. We find coconuts, ginger, and parrots coming in on Venetian ships that would eventually reach the ports of medieval England. We also listen to the mixing of languages in the sailors' I don't know what patios and to the commonality of multilingual or multi-languages across Europe, Asia, and North Africa. We find marketplaces where Jews spoke Latin, Christians spoke Greek, and everyone spoke Arabic. Hmm. Because when I think of Arabic, I think of the Moors. I'm just saying. Let's continue. 
things that need to end. Otherwise, there's no medium, no middle ages, no medieval. So we could instead draw the medieval to a close just a bit later in the 14th century as plagues ravaged Asia, Europe, North Africa, and the Middle East. Oh, so they had a nice little plague. Mm, those seem to, to hit every couple of centuries, don't they? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or we might say the medieval ends in the 15th century as the Ottoman Turks overwhelmed the entire eastern Mediterranean, creating a new empire that extends from the Indian Ocean to, from time to time, the walls of Vienna, an empire that would fight with the Christian Phoenicians and ally itself with the Christian French. Some have even argued that the medieval world comes to a close only with the French Revolution and the fall of the monarchy at the end of the 18th century. Okay, so now I want y'all to remember as we were going through Edmund Godfrey's stuff, You were seeing where he was giving you who was holding a seat of power during those times all across those empires. Okay. All right. So some have even argued that the medieval world comes too close only with the French Revolution and the fall of the monarchy at the end of the 18th century. So those of you that know me, I have been consistent in saying when Caucasian whites took the seat of power, I said the earliest was the mid-1800s, but they officially took the seat of power the end of the 1800s, I'm sorry, yeah, the end of the 1800s, early 1900s, okay? Ultimately, none of these moments are satisfactory. The plague arrived because of connections between Asia and Europe that had been established across centuries. The Ottoman Turks emerged out of generations long interactions between a steep, a steepian city, a people fully steeped in an intellectual culture that shuttled competing interpretations of both scripture and Aristotle from Persia to Iberia, a people carrying the same luxury goods and bacteria across regions. The French Revolution was possible only because the medieval people experimented with democracy or a democratic representation, oftentimes at a small scale and had a long history of anti-authoritarian revolt. The peoples, the plague, the art, the governments, and the walls all belong to the medieval world. Okay, or the dark ages. And again, 
who was ruling during that time? It was that black nobility bloodline, okay? Across all of the European empires, all right? Okay. What is clear is that people in the 14th and 15th century Italy frustrated with the political chaos and warfare of their ugly era decided to draw nostalgic links to the worlds of the ancient Rome and Greece using the distant past to sever their connections to the previous thousand years of history. Okay, so you know who was ruling during this time. Okay. And we're going to get into a little of this Rome and Greece too. Okay. Just, just briefly, that would take another particular podcast and stream, but I want to tie in um, a particular bloodline to Rome. Later, throughout the 18th and 19th centuries, imperialist European powers and their intellectuals sought a history for their new world order. Child, let me sip my uh, water. So people running around here talking about the New World Order, that then been been done happened. The New World Order happened when the Caucasians took the seats of power, start being placed in the seat of power from those black nobility folk. So the new world order happened when the dark ages or the medieval times was over and that failed. And literally they're giving it up in this article. Shout out to time magazine. Cause they said throughout the what? The 18th and 19th centuries. So not the 1700s, not the 1600s, not the 1500s. And like I have been consistently saying, white folks took the seat of power around the world. In the mid-1800s, really started finalizing it in the late 1800s. And by the 19th centuries, the new world order was already implemented. And shout out to Lee Cummings in the book, um... The 13 black colonies, that's exactly what he said as well. That World War I and World War II 
those wars were to really clean up the rest of the black European empire and seat the new world order of the white kingdom. So when I say that it was black on black crime in the Americas with the Indians, that checks out. Now that's not saying that white folks weren't sprinkled throughout those wars, but they weren't calling the shots. They didn't hold those seats of power. They didn't start placing white folks into those positions in the Americas until after the Civil War. Okay? Because even the first establishment of the government in the U.S. was the Continental Congress, and you had, uh, I forget how many black presidents before George Washington, which some even say that George Washington was probably mulatto, but that's okay. Even if we want to put him as white, you had the first seat of governmental power in the United States. And this was actually before it became the United States was the Continental Congress. You had black presidents. Okay. All right. So the, throughout the 18th and 19th century, imperialistic European powers and their intellectuals sought a history for their new world order to justify and explain why whiteness, a modern idea, albeit with medieval roots, justified their domination of the world. Yeah, because they had to write white rulership into the storyline. I'll back that up for the slow ones in the back. They had to write white power into the storyline. Okay? And that is why even to this day, there is still confusion that rulership with whites slash Caucasians go back through the dark ages and before. And that is not the case. They found the proto-nations of the Middle Ages useful as a pass to point to point to for their modern origins, pointing to both medieval connections to Greece and Rome and the independence and distinct traditions of medieval, I'm going to say politics, I guess that's what they were saying, because polities. These modern thinkers used the fiction of Europe and invented concepts of Western civilization as a thread to tie the modern world together. 
They looked outside themselves and saw barbarism. They looked into both the medieval and classical European past and imagined they found white faces like theirs looking back at them. They were wrong about all of that. Child, let me tell you something. Child, clutching my pearls. Time Magazine man. Time Magazine man. First of all, boo, shout out to you. Know you're doing the best you can to try to make people think because you can't put it out there raw like I'm putting it out there raw. But I, 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 I'm straight shocked that you even said this. They looked into both the medieval and classical European past and imagine they found white faces like theirs looking back at them. They were wrong about all of this. We are both historians of medieval Europe, having spent years with primary sources producing our own research, but we've also been blessed by the work of hundreds of scholars who have shaken loose the old stories of the Dark Ages to reveal a much more complicated, much more interesting picture of the period. Agreed, agreed. And the sad part about it it's not only white people that look back into the Middle, uh, middle Ages uh, time or medieval Dark Ages time and see white people. So does most of the world. Medievalists have built and then torn down the con construct of feudalism as a system and replaced it with ideas of complex networks of infinity and hierarchy that morphed and flowed with big ideas and hyperlocal traditions. Our colleagues and mentors have helped place Europe into broader global systems of trade, religion, movement of people, and disease. We've learned about medieval ideas of tolerance but also the formation of ideas about racial differences and hierarchies. Medievalists are complicit in the creation of the idea of the Dark Ages and how the medieval world is used in the service of hateful ideologies even today, but also acknowledging mistakes and trying to tear that scaffolding down. Okay. So, you put a lot in there. Um, I mean, you all can interpret it the way you want to, <clears throat> but in my read of it, he's pretty much saying that, you know, not only was the history created, but also um, they with the creation of that history, put Europe into a broader global system with trade, religion, movement of peoples, okay? And disease. So that movement of peoples, he's using that code for moving 
melanated people to the Americas. They gave us the narrative of the Africans coming over to the Americans by the millions, although we can't find records of that. Okay. When it was really millions of melanated people coming from Europe over to the Americas and very little Africans coming over to the Americas. And also what about the movement of peoples earlier in those uh, medieval ages, the movement of the Moors from North Africa across the entire planet, okay? And if we really wanna get real about it, and one day it's, it's gonna be truly revealed on the movement of Caucasians out of Asia and Africa via the Moors, okay? That's how they got throughout uh, Europe. And the closest we have to the truth is how Caucasians came to the Americas. That's about the closest to the truth. And even that was prettied up and sanitized because they originally came over as slaves and then came over again as indentured servants on contracts, okay? So this is kind of what he's talking about, all right? So in those medieval times, the ideas about racial differences and hierarchies I don't know so much about the racial differences because that elite bloodline, they started interracially marrying. I think they created the concept of racial differences among their subjects for the purpose of when there was time to reset the world and reset the history. They needed those racial differences to be there. So meaning the white man is on top. The system of white supremacy suppressed the world. The white man is the boogeyman. Now the hierarchies, I absolutely agree with them, with, with this gentleman. Not only did that come from the medieval times, that goes all the way back to the Sumerian time, all the way up through Egypt. Because a certain bloodline, the ruling class bloodline, put in hierarchies. Okay. And so that concept of hierarchy and then the introduction of the racial differences it's what we still see, not only in the Western society, but all across the planet. So I totally agree with him. I think he did an excellent job, although it may seem vague what he was saying. He was really putting a lot in here, okay? 
And this is another reason why it's important for us to really start doing a lot more reading, a lot more research. So when you read these mainstream publications, you can discern what they're really saying. All right. So the bright ages contain the beauty and the light of stained glass and high ceilings of cathedrals, as well as the blood and sweat of the people who built them. Okay. So shout out to the mud flood community because they were the ones that pointed out there is no way, there is no way that them people in the 1800s that's posed up in the pictures around the world in front of those cathedrals, those castles. There's no way they built them. So shout out to the mud flood community. As a matter of fact, they call them the inheritors. Because the white population was brought in as the reset population. So meaning they were changing the seat of power with the rulership from a black face to a white face. And hence the white population had to increase as well. Right? So in other words, shall somebody else built those um, cathedrals and all of that jazz, okay? But make no, no mistakes about it. That was still an empire within itself. You still had a ruling class. All right. So the golden relics of the church and the acts of charity and devotion by people of deep faith but also the wars fought over ideas of the sacred, the scorched flesh of the heretics burned in the name of intolerance and fear. They revealed the the preminable nature of the interwoven cultures of Europe, but were not constrained to Europe. They were aware, as the medievals themselves were, of a much larger round globe. In these bright ages, science, scientists looked at the sky, looked to the sky and measured the stars, built the universities, laid the foundations for the European contribution to the global scientific revolution, and did so without surrendering their beliefs in a higher power. There were also, just as now, people who limited debate, prosecuted thought crimes, repressed freedom, and took people out who were different from them. Uh-huh, yeah, that's, that's, that's still going on today. Uh-huh. Because today you really have prosecution of thought crimes, repressed freedom. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we definitely going through that right now, for sure, for sure. The Bright Ages stand out as a pivotal place and time in history because they all contain the multitudes of possibilities inherited, inherit in humanity. But until those lights have been hidden 
under a bushel of bad history and a persistence popular assumption about the dark ages. Too often created and reinforced by medieval historians ourselves. We can at times reveal in the weirdness of the medieval and forget to teach the connections. At the same time, we forget how much things have changed over time. Okay, so, um, you know, shout out to Sis for sending me this. This is from Time. Well, I guess it's no longer Time Magazine, y'all. But Time.com, and it's why it's time to shed light on some I'm sorry, why it's time to shed some light on his history's dark ages. Okay? So they're slowly starting to, just a little baby steps, just a little baby steps, put out the truth. Okay? So now they're starting to admit that the dark ages really named the dark ages because you had dark-skinned, melanated people in power, okay? So the last little excerpt that I want to read to you all, um, I talk about uh, his work often. Uh, the first work, if you want to know how the 13 colonies in the Americas was established, you can pick up his book, uh, The 13 Black Colonies by Lee Cummings. You can get it on Amazon, uh, I highly encourage you to um, go ahead on and get it. It's it's truly a collector's item, and you may want to just pick up a couple copies for other people. Uh, what I like about the work, he literally took the um, the scholars' research. You know that research that they hide from us that's coming out of like Harvard and Stanford and all them universities and was in some private collectors. So in other words, you have to have that hefty education to even possibly be exposed to that work. And he condensed all of that information into that book. He did a great job. So that's one to pick up, uh, The 13 Black Colonies by uh, Lee Cummings. You can get it on Amazon. And he pretty much lays out that King James Stewart was the one that formed them 13 Black Colonies. Okay? So another book of his that I really like, it's called The Negro Question Part Four, the Missing Link. All right, this is by Lee Cummings. Pick it up in Amazon. Um, matter of fact, I'll leave links to both of the, the Amazon links to both of the books. Um, I'm always referring back to these works. So I'm on the Negro Question Part 4, The Missing Link. And in this book, he is running down for you this black nobility elite. Okay? So, I'm on chapter two. This is page eight. Uh, he shows the image of King James Stewart. 
Okay, this was in his olden years. Um, and he gives you that the image is located in a new college library of Edinburgh, UK. He says, I know this image of a black King James can be a little confusing because of your Western education, but this is the truth that is known by the rich and the elite in the world. That was the reason I paraded all of the English historians and professors before you before I got into the bowels of this book. So in other words, he brought them receipts. I had to get your mind ready to receive the truth. King James came from a long line of black Scottish steward kings, 343 years of rulership in Scotland. The stewards not only ruled in Scotland, they ruled France, Spain, Ireland, England, Britain, and Wales. King James was able to rule all of these lands because all of these people were of Iberian black descent. They were the same people. If you look at the ball in his hand, it represents world rulership and there was only one other group of world leaders who used this type of symbolism. And they were the Byzantine Roman emperors. Remember they told the English that they were Roman citizens. This is proof. Okay. And then I think in the 13 black colonies, um, there's a quote in there from King James saying that he is of the, the Roman lineage. There was another man who made the same boast. And if you have wisdom, you know who I am talking about. This is one of the signs of scholarships when you are able to read the symbolisms of images. Okay. Just like when I just did uh, the thing on the Buffalo soldiers and I said, I didn't know the Buffalo soldiers had a crest. And I started going through, looking at the symbols on the crest. I was doing that for a reason because those crests tell the story of what makes up that particular bloodline. In the case of the Buffalo Soldiers, it's a group of, of people, of folks, of men. Okay? And there's no doubt about it. Number one, that crest was sanctioned, that Buffalo Soldiers crest was sanctioned. By someone of Europe, because that's who used crests. And they were also using those European crest symbols in that Buffalo Soldier crest. And then they also had an American Indian war um, headdress. So, which would pretty much, you can use the deductive reasoning that the Buffalo Soldiers were a mixture of Black Europeans and Black American Indians. 
but they were under the orders and they were sanctioned by the American Empire, the American U.S. corporation known as the United States, which is really just a branch of Europe. Okay. All right. So he's absolutely right. You're supposed to be able to even look at pictures and read symbolism of images. In my research, I found out that the ancient Scot Scottish was a tribe from northeastern Ireland, which means the Scots are really Irish. So if I have seen an ancient Scot, I have seen an ancient Irishman. And if I have seen an ancient Irishman, then I have seen an ancient Briton. Okay, so now let's be clear. He is describing the lineage of a bloodline. Particularly, he is describing King James' bloodline. All right, so he's going to go through the Scottish king's bloodline. So you got Robert II, which was 1371 through 1390. Robert III, 1390 through 1406. So hopefully y'all are understanding why it was called the Dark Ages. James I, 1406 to 1437. James II, 1437 to 1460. James the third, 1460 through 1488. James the fourth, 1488 to 1513. Uh, James the fifth, 1513 to 1542. Mary, Queen of Scots, 1542 to 1567. To 1625, Charles the First, 1625 through 1649, Charles the Second, 1649 to 1685, James and Mary, 1689 to 1694, and Great. Um, and great, I'm sorry, and the great and Scotland, 1702 to 1707. As you can see from this list, Scottish King's list, King James I of England was a descendant of the black Scottish kings who claimed the thrones of France, Spain, Ireland, England, Britain, Wales, and Scotland. In order to reinforce the testimony of Professor Boyd Daw Dawkins, I have provided you with an image of the other Stuart Kings of Scotland. Okay. So um, we're going I'm going to go through, I'm going to give you the bonus material going through uh, some of these pictures of these ancient black nobility. Okay, so if you get nothing out of this, 
what I want you to get the main part is now even mainstream media is putting it out there slowly. They're watering it down a lot. And I can't even get upset for them for watering it down a lot because people are really going to struggle with this information. Those that are supposedly in the know, they're still struggling with it. Okay? So that's number one. This information is starting to come out via mainstream. That's why it is important for you to get caught up. And it is important, even more important, for you to know your genealogy. Okay? And from this point forward, you you should be able to understand what the Dark Ages truly meant. Okay, the Dark Ages really meant, or the medieval times really meant the rulership of the black nobility kingdom. Okay, you should also understand that white Caucasian rulership taking the seat of power Starting to take that seat of power in the 1800s, mid-1800s, the earliest, and finishing the final seats of power with Caucasians around the world in the 1900s, which World War II completed that cycle. That ushered in the new world order. So folks running around here talking about, oh, the new world order, that been bending already happened. It was the switching of a kingdom from a black nobility rulership to a white white nobility rulership. And make no mistakes about it. Do not think these are separate kingdoms. These folks are still all related. Okay? The Caucasians, throughout those centuries, they were marrying into the bloodline. And the resetters who reset the world history, the world technology, even reset the world population. They knew what they were going to do. So they started whitening up that bloodline. And all it takes is what? Two generations to whiten up a bloodline. Contrary to popular belief with melanated people running around thinking that blackness can't be bred out. Oh, yes, it can. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 bruh, 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 sus, 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 it can. Okay, so all you have to do, that first generation of interracialness, all they have to do is turn around and get with another Caucasian 
And then their offspring are going to look more, more Caucasian than they will melanated. And then if that mixed person or that biracial person and their Caucasian partner, when they have their children that look more Caucasian, when their children partner up with another Caucasian, oh, that's a wrap. You would not know by looking at that Caucasian that they have melanated blood. Okay? Now, I know it's hard for people to understand that. Because the way people marry today, they don't marry based on who your family is, what's going to be the benefit for my daughter and my, even back then, my son. It's, oh, you know, I love them, they love me, or some other superficial reason, which is really disgusting, or just no reason at all now, just no thought in the process at all. But back then, who you married, it was serious business. It had to be approved. And the elite show didn't play that baby. It was tightly controlled. Okay? So all of this was planned. Okay? It was planned from having a melanated kingdom to a white kingdom. Okay? So make no mistake about it. This is about one bloodline race that wants to continue power, world domination power through their bloodline over the rest of the world. They do not look at you as a part of their bloodline. It is so far from the opposite. Okay? So that's what I hope that you're getting out of this particular podcast and the subsequent podcast that I put out regarding this topic. And that's the reason I keep putting it out because most people miss the message. They keep thinking it's about color when it's about bloodline. It is about a ruling class bloodline staying in power, staying in control of all of the resources, resources that their bloodline are not the owners. That's what this is about. It is about them continuing their empire all around the world at the expense of the indigenous people. So regardless if you're indigenous slash American, indigenous slash European, indigenous slash Asia, indigenous slash Africa, it does not matter to them. What matters to them is their bloodline, their empire, and controlling the resources. 
and to control the resources, you got to control the people. So I wish everyone well on this Monday. Uh, thanks again, sis, for um, sending me this information. It was a great read. Um, I will drop the links to all of these sources in the description. I'll also drop the links for you all if you want to get copies of um, Lee Cummings' work that condenses this information down. Uh, pretty good. And he lists his original sources to this as well. So um, this is Rhonda with WTUZ Radio Podcast. If you are not subscribed to us, I encourage you to subscribe, like, and share. I'm also going to put some bonus material in here with the images of those Black European bloodlines. So peace and love, fam.